0: Amen. Yeah. How we doing? You look great. I can tell you that. This is a this is a fantastic crowd for the first service of uh, first Sunday of July. Way to go! Uh, I'm telling you, you're only a few invites away from needing the balcony in July, and uh, that man, let's do it. Let's get some people in the balcony next Sunday. That would be awesome. Sauce. Uh, I cannot tell you how good it is to be out on the stage here this morning to, uh, to be to be preaching, and uh, I really can 't spend a while We were in the, uh, we were in that, that shift series for seven Sundays, and then the last Sunday of that series you 'll remember we, we just kind of uh, changed everything up to deal with the tragedy that was happening in our city and then after that series, we went into kind of three Sundays in between everything we were just kind of one-off Sundays. Uh, Don Ingersoll preached one of those. Uh, Willie Brownlee preached one of those. And then we had what happened here last Sunday morning. Whoa! (laughs) I got a a text from Leonard this morning. He said he was praying for me. I said, you better be. After what you did out here last week, like, you better be praying for me this morning. I had, it was funny, like, people going out of the door last week, I had a combination of, wasn't that great? And, oh, I feel for you. It's like, you have to follow that, and people this morning saying, "Are you going to run up the stairs and run down the stairs? no i 'm not going to run up the stairs, run down the stairs i 'm going to be me. is that okay <laughs> but literally we had to mop up this area like I mean he let it just drenched the place uh, last week, and uh, anyhow, uh, it was unreal and and just quickly. Um, I do want to address what happened here last Sunday from from my perspective, and if you missed it, I am I am begging you to watch that, that service from last Sunday. I'm I'm, I'm honestly uh, I'm begging you to watch it. You you have to watch it. Um, you really do. Like, like if this is your church and you're with us going forward, um, you, you've got to watch the service from last Sunday. You just do. Yeah. Um, Lenet Anderson, my, my friend Lenet, who, by the way, we've booked for next year, that's for sure, uh, he's coming back, uh, my friend Lenet brought us a gift from heaven last Sunday, and I can't overstate the uh, the timing and the impact of that message, I, I just, there's no way for me to, to explain it, um, time will tell, but I believe that that, that message was a game-changer for us as a church. Um, I literally cried, uh, the, the, the halfway through his sermon, I, I could tell, I knew what Leonard was doing, and then I could tell what God was doing, and I was a wreck. The second half of that sermon, I just, I just sat there wiping, wiping my face. Uh, it's the first time that I can remember being physically exhausted after somebody else preached. (laughs) I, it's completely wasted Sunday afternoon because I knew what God did. Uh, I, I, I can't overstate it, um. I knew what Lennon was doing. I knew what God was doing. It, It felt like, like God just took the wheel of this place and, and just, and just said, here we go, and turned the corner on the transition. That's, that's what it felt like to me. And, and it was weird because Lennet was, was you know, pouring out, um, you know, more responsibility on my shoulders as, you know, this new season of ministry. And we've got to be of movement in our place as a church, our responsibility in the Atlantic region. And in some ways, he was like kind of heaping more on my shoulders. But the whole time, I just it felt like the weight was being lifted. That's, that's a little weird. I was just kind of, I don't know. I just, I... Maybe it felt like, like, like God and, and, and everyone here getting, getting underneath me more than ever. Maybe that's, maybe that's what it was. Um, I, anyhow, it was a masterful piece of beauty. If I could hang it on the wall, I would. But I don't want us to be a museum. We want to be a movement. And uh, so we will, we will keep moving. Wow. So this morning, we're kicking off our summer series, Flip Flops. Some people say I should kick off my shoes. Isn't the series called Flip Flops? I'm not in Flip Flops this Sunday because I I wasn't sure if you wanted to stare at my bare feet or not. Um, I did wear some fun socks, so I don't know if you can get that on the camera. I could could roll my pants up. Um, I did wear some fun socks. Maybe next week. I'll be in flip-flops, but, but don't wear socks and flip-flops. <laughs> Men, we see you in your black socks and your flip-flops. That ain't right. That ain't right. So we're kicking off this, uh, this new series, and uh, it's called Flip-Flops because it sounds so much warmer than mucklucks. And we're going to follow the dusty sandals of the prophet Isaiah for the summer. Um, I encourage you to bring your Bible each week. Uh, I almost always uh, read and preach from the New Living Translation. If you don't have a Bible, um, you can, we have Bibles available this morning at the Welcome Center in the lobby. And I told them, I said, I'm just going to tell the people if they need a Bible, just go out there and say, I need a Bible. They will give you a Bible for free. Uh, if you insist on a donation, uh, anything, doesn't matter, five bucks, two dollars, it just doesn't matter. But we'll, we'd be happy to give you a New Living Translation for free. Isaiah was flip-flopping around Israel 700 years before Jesus. Uh, His book is the third longest in the Old Testament. Many consider the book of Isaiah to be the the richest uh, uh, in theology, in terms of prophecy. Isaiah was a prophet. A prophet was someone who was called by God to bring a very specific message to God's people about where they've been, where they are right now, what God thinks about where they are right now. It reminds me of Leonard Anderson last Sunday. That was a prophetic message for for us as a church. And the prophet's message also usually included some kind of of a warning, a a judgment, or or a call to repentance. Another key calling card of a prophet is that the the Old Testament prophets, they all point to Jesus. All of them. If you read and look carefully, you'll see that they all point to Jesus to Jesus Isaiah Jeremiah Jonah Malachi etc they all point to Jesus but Isaiah didn't just point to Jesus Isaiah connected the dots of Jesus life 700 years before Jesus was born now imagine if someone showed you a history book about you that was written 700 years before you were born and, it, and it, it knew stuff about you and, and, and how you were going to be born and, and where you would live and how you would die. And you'd read that and you'd think, that's, that's crazy. That's, that's, that's what Isaiah did about Jesus. Isaiah said that Jesus would be born of a virgin. Cool. He said that Jesus would be called the Son of God. He prophesied that Jesus would perform many miracles and that, that Jesus would be preceded by a messenger. That messenger turned out to be... John the Baptist. Isaiah said that Jesus would be spat on, beaten, rejected, and silent before his accusers. He even went into such detail that he said that Jesus would be buried in a rich man's tomb. Obviously, Isaiah was dialed into the Holy Spirit, and and he simply shared with us the things that God had revealed to him. Another thing we need to know as we kind of get into Isaiah here is that prophets weren't always the most popular people in Scripture. Prophets had the, the difficult task of, of walking into near, pos, near impossible situations when morale was at its lowest and telling the people what they had to do in order to get back into a place where, where God could, could bless them, back into a place where God could restore them. Uh, you know that one person who always shows up when you don't really want to know the truth? And they tell you exactly what what you need to hear, but you're not ready to hear it, and you don't really want to hear it. But they're going to tell it to you anyhow. And they just tell you you're going to listen to this, and and uh, and and they go on and, and tell you the the truth about that, even though it's it's difficult to hear it. And they are so right, and you hate that they're right about your situation. And deep in your gut, you know that they're right, and you know what you need to do. But you just you just kind of oh, I'm kind of I'm kind of I just don't like hearing this from you. That was, that was the, the deal with the prophets. So over the summer, we're going to flip-flop uh, along with Isaiah. We're going to learn more about him and his message and what it means for us today. There are several key, key uh, kind of mega themes in the book of Isaiah. Uh, but there are two main themes that are perfect for, for us this summer, that are perfect for where we are as a church in fact, they fit in perfectly where, where, where Leonard left, left off uh, left us last Sunday. And those two themes are vision and salvation. Vision and salvation. Isaiah speaks to his people with, with a burden and an, and an urgency because God is telling him that now is the time of salvation. Now is the time, not next week, not next year, not 10 years from now, not when the kids leave the house, not when you retire and you're not so busy, that now is the time of salvation. Now is the time to tell the people to turn from all of their idols, to forget about how the enemy has been winning or whatever's been going on in their lives, to turn their hearts and their eyes towards Jesus, back towards the one true God. God and if if they will turn and if they will repent and if they will will refocus on Yahweh he will restore their salvation he will hear their cries he will give them victory over their enemies and we Monkton West we church this morning we need to keep Casting a clear vision and preaching a message of salvation to see people in our communities shake off their spiritual dust and turn from all the things that have held them back and choose to follow Jesus Christ, the one true God. That's our message. That's our message. And this could be a message for several people here this morning. I'm excited to uh, Let's yeah, let's do a little linnet. Turn to the person beside you and say, I'm excited. Oh, that was weak. Come on. it was, uh, I told you, he's texting me. He's, he's actually sending me messages backdoor on Twitter. If, and you've got to learn Twitter anyhow. And he's sending me a message and he says, I hear something. And I would write back and say, I see something. And he'd write back and he'd say, I'm expecting. And I, you know, and I was, oh, I'm expecting. We're just preaching back and forth. at did each other all week. And the line that I just couldn't shake was, sometimes you've just got to stay in your church till you see something. I'm like, yes, come on, preach it. Oh, that's good. All right, Isaiah. Uh, If you don't have a book, you can run out into the lobby. They'll give you one. Here it is. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 16. Where the prophet says, Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them white as wool. If you'll only obey me, you'll have plenty to eat. But if you turn away and refuse to listen, you'll be devoured by the sword of your enemies. I, the Lord, have spoken you ever had someone try to make up with you? Something's gone wrong in the relationship and, uh, and, and some person, one side, takes the initiative and they're going to they're gonna try to make everything right. They've wronged you, let you down, disappointed you, and they're going try to try to restore that. And sometimes in our effort to make things right, we, we go overboard and we just end up making things worse. Ever had that happen? Like a parent who tries to make up for not spending time with their child, what do they do? They buy the kid gifts. The kid doesn't want your gifts. What the child wants is your time, right? And you just end up making things worse. Like a husband who knows he's messed up. Where are you, husbands? Yeah, we've been there. Been there. Doghouse? Anybody? Any husbands? They don't want to raise their hand. All right. And so he, he knows he's messed up. You see these guys. You see them in, buying flowers, right, at, the, at Costco and the superstore. You see them. You say, oh, I wonder what he did, right? <laughs> Am I the only one who thinks that? It's not some special occasion. The dude's in trouble, right? And so he buys her flowers. He cooks her dinner. He cleans the house. He'll do almost anything to make it right. And maybe what he needs to do is simply communicate and listen. All the wives like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe he needs to say he's sorry. I'm so, I'm I'm so, I'm sorry. And then clean the house. Yeah, yeah. Then clean the house. I won't, she's here, so I won't, I won't tell you who this was, but uh, someone came to our door recently and I went to the door with folded laundry in my hands. And she said, I've heard about this. (laughs) Never seen it before in my lifetime, but anyhow, won't say who it was. You've probably had times when someone has said something about you that offended you And then in their effort to fix things, they they just keep going to everyone and talking to everyone. And you're you're thinking, would you just, you're making it worse. Would you just stop whatever you're doing? It's not helping. It's just, it's just making it worse. And Isaiah comes to the people and he tells the people and to us this morning, because it's prophecy, it speaks right to us this morning, that God isn't interested in all their rituals and their religion and their man-made sacrifices and all the other ways that they're trying to make things right god isn't impressed with their hyper overcooked shallow superficial attempts to win his favor when we know that we've sinned when we're doing life in the wrong direction making wrong choices disappointing god we can make some pretty pathetic attempts to to please god doing things that that we think are going to get us back into god's good graces no, I know, I know. You know, we we do things like this. I know, I know what I'll do. I'm going to go to church this Sunday. I'll even be on time. That'll impress God. That'll make everything right. I'll even I'll even put a little extra in the offering because I feel so bad. That'll 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 do it. Wait till God sees this. I'll I'll wave at my neighbor. I wave at every neighbor I see. They look at me like I am weird. Have we stopped waving at neighbors in Canada? Is that not a thing anymore? I'll wave at my neighbor. I'll invite my neighbor. I'll, e- I'll even pray before lunch and I'll pray until I'm sure that everybody in the restaurant is looking at me. That'll, that'll make it all right. Isaiah is trying to get the people to stop living the way that they're living and catch this and stop repenting the way they're repenting. Because it's making it worse. God is sick of your empty sacrifices. He's getting disgusted with half-hearted attempts at righteousness. And in verse 16, we see what God really wants. In verse 16, he says, wash yourselves and be clean. That's what I want. That's what God really wants. That's what he wants of us this morning, Moncton Wesleyan. Wash yourselves and be clean. Wash yourselves and be clean. You can't impress God. You can't perform your way back into a right relationship with God. I'll repeat that. Back that one up. You can't perform your way back into a right relationship with God. That's the point of Isaiah's message. Disobedience and performance are both repulsive to God. So here's Isaiah's recipe for revival. He says, stop doing the wrong things. Learn how to do the right things. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Care for the widows and orphans. Stop doing the wrong things. Learn. That's discipline. Learn how to do the right things. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Care for widows and orphans. If that sounds familiar, it was repeated by James, the brother of Jesus. James, the book of James in the New Testament. James chapter 1 Verse 27, James, the brother of Jesus, said this, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to allow or let the world corrupt you. Pure and genuine in the sight of God is caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Maybe. Maybe if we were more focused on serving the needs of others around us, we'd have less time and energy for getting caught up in the stuff that ruins our lives. Maybe. See, when you care for others, you you become like Jesus. And Isaiah makes a, a, a key critical connection here that we can't miss. I'm I'm less corrupt when I'm more caring. You're less corrupt when you are more caring. You can't sin and serve Jesus at the same time. When you you serve others, you you get the focus off of your needs and your selfish desires. And and when you're serving others, you literally share others. You share Jesus with others. Verse 18. Verse 18. Let's look at it. Isaiah says this. I just just love the... uh, the, the way the Holy Spirit inspired Isaiah to write this part of his message, We're in verse eighteen he says, "Come now, come, let's let's settle this." The King James version says, "Let's cu- come, let's reason together," and several of us need to hear this this morning. Hear, just hear God invite you back. Hear God just 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 inviting you, just saying, "Come, come on, come on, let's let's settle this." Let's reason together. Let's, let's make this right. Here God invites you to come back. He's an invitational God. He wants to restore you this morning. He wants to restore us. He wants us to accept his offer of grace and allow him to rebuild our lives. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. He's an invitational God that stands like the father of the prodigal son waiting for his children to come back to come home you can't outsin the grace of god you can't outrun the grace of god and don't let the enemy tell you that you have gone too far or it's been too long because grace is like water it flows to the lowest point it's always available if you are hearing these words you can hear god's voice as he calls you to come just to simply come come on he says come on come on back Come on home. Let's, let's fix this. Let's restore this. Let's settle this. Let's reason together. Come. Come. Uh, we often hear of, of people out inviting others. And when when you invite others, one of the, the responses that you might get is, Oh, I can never go to church. And, and, and the feeling is, God can't fix me. God can't help me. God can't. It's just, it's just too much mess. It's been too long. I've gone too far. There's just, there's no hope. And you need to carry that message of hope with you. That it's never too far. It's never too long. There's just, God can can heal, change, restore, forgive anyone. And you need to take that message of hope as you're inviting people here. Our vision here at Moncton Wesleyan is to be People inviting people to experience and follow Jesus. And, and our vision is right there in verse 18 of Isaiah chapter 1. Where God invites us to come. Come as an invitational word. Where God just says... Come, come and and get our lives restored, our questions resolved, our sins redeemed, our hopes rebuilt, our futures reimagined, our purpose reconstructed, our entire lives reordered for the glory of God. God just says, come, come, come. I want you to come. The country of Judah or the people of Israel at that time, were in complete shambles. They were overwhelmed by, by every enemy on, on every side. They, just, they, they were just completely overwhelmed by their enemies. They were deep in rebellion and completely spiritually dry. And God sends uh, Isaiah into their hopelessness to give them a word of hope. Um, God might send the message of Isaiah into your life today, into your situation. And, and oh, that it would fall on your heart, that it would fall into your life this morning, like, like, like rain after a dry spell, that, that, that God would just bring you new life today with this same, this same message. God sends Isaiah into their hopelessness to give them a word of hope. God has not forgotten you. There are people here this morning that just needed to hear that. God has not forgotten you. God still loves you. God wants you to come back. You can always come back and come clean with God. I love the idea of making a comeback. Most of us like comeback stories. When, you know, you thought the person was, was, you know, down and out and didn't have a chance, and they make a comeback. That's virtually every movie that you go see. If there's no comeback, it's like, what, what's the point? Or you leave completely, totally disappointed. I love comeback stories. I love it when people come back to church. I love it when people come back to this church. Keep inviting people back to this church. Yeah, just, just keep telling them, hey, Hey, you can always come back. You can always come back. There are thousands of people in this city who have been here for one reason or another. They've either been here for church or they've been here for a concert or they've been here for a Christmas production. If we could reach the people who have ever been through this doors for any reason, we would have revival. There are thousands of them. Invite them to come back. There's nothing more exciting than a life coming back to Jesus. Nothing nothing all right second part of verse 18 though your sins are like scarlet i will make them say it out loud let's say it again though your sins are like scarlet i will make them white as snow white as snow though they are red like crimson i'll make them white as wool the contrast between these two colors is more than just a a tied commercial it gives you, gives you the image of a, of a child in a white t shirt. I mean, if you put a child in a white t shirt, it's your own fault. <laughs> what were you thinking? Who puts a child in a white t shirt? Tide commercials, that's it. Nobody else on the planet says, oh, here's a bright white t shirt. Put this on, here's a freezy. This is not rocket science. But there's much deeper imagery at work here. Isaiah reminds the people that, that the blood that they're spilling, in all of their sacrifices and all the ways that they're trying to, to make things right with God, it's not working. It's not making a difference. And the blood that they're spilling in their wars and all their battles and all the, all the, the fighting that's going on, it's not, it's not working. It's not making a difference. Isaiah is telling them, look, God wants to take something that looks totally brutal, a situation that nobody has an answer for, and he wants to turn it around. He's the Redeemer. That's what he does. He wants to turn it around. God doesn't want to just make their lives kind of better or marginally better or just kind of improve their lives a little bit. God wants to totally, completely transform their lives. He's saying that nothing is impossible for God. He's saying there is one true God and when we trust him with our lives, he will do things that, that our minds cannot even possibly comprehend. And there's more meaning here in Isaiah's words. He's also, he's saying, look at your current situation. That's a mess. And what you're doing, spilling all that blood, it ain't working. But he's doing more when he says that. He's also pointing to Jesus. He's pointing to the cross. He's giving us a foreshadow of, of, of the one who is coming, who will shed his blood to make us clean. Jesus Christ shed his blood He was crucified and hung on a cross to pay your price. That when you believe that and when you accept it and when you invite it to be true in your life, God power washes your soul and makes you clean. He makes you whiter than snow, whiter than wool. That's what God does. It's it's just as if, we use that word justified, it's just as if you had never sinned so that when you stand before God, God doesn't see all the wrongs that you've ever done. God only sees you cleansed by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. God sees you redeemed and forgiven. That's what it means. So Isaiah, being the prophet that he is, he points to the future and he says there's one coming. There's one coming who will shed his blood to make us clean. One who will make the ultimate sacrifice and lay down his life for us so that we can be forgiven. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's the words to that old hymn, but it's so true. Coming back to church is great. We're glad that you're here. But the whole point of your life is that you would come back to Jesus. That that, that, that broken relationship would be restored. That you'd come to know the Creator. You'd come to know Jesus Christ who, who, who loves you so much. He was willing to pay any price to, to save you from your sins. That's the whole point of your life. God invites us to come back and receive his grace, his mercy, his love, and his forgiveness. Following Jesus isn't about rules or religion. It's not about what church you go to. It's all about a relationship. And you cross that line of faith when you simply say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you are God's son. I believe that you're here right now. And I am making the decision right now to to follow you with the rest of my life, to serve you with the rest of my life. I will trust you. I will believe in you to be my Savior. Jesus, would you come into my life? And And the Bible says that in that moment, when you make that decision, that God's Holy Spirit will come and fill you, and, and, and you'll be forgiven. It's and, and all those things will happen. Isaiah knew about Jesus 700 years before Jesus was born. You can know Jesus personally 2,000 years after Jesus lived, died, and was resurrected for us. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you this morning for the way that your Holy Spirit breathed these words into the heart of Isaiah. The way that you inspired him, the vision that you gave him, the burden that you gave him for his people. To see his people come back to God. God, would we have that same kind of burden and intensity and urgency for our community, for our neighbors, for our loved ones, for our coworkers, for everyone that we meet, Jesus, to see people come back to you. That's, that's the cry of our heart. That's the prayer of this church. That is our vision. That was Isaiah's vision. Lord, there may be some who are here right now who are, who are ready to come back. Who, who who find themselves in this service at Bunton weston this morning and realize that, that you brought a prophetic message from Isaiah for them this morning. They're, they are hearing your voice right now simply saying, Come. Come on, let's settle this. Come back. Come back. Let's make this right. God, I pray that you would give those people the courage, the strength uh, to, to take that step of faith, that leap of faith, knowing that that they don't need all the answers, they'll never have all the answers, but they have enough right now in this moment to simply say, Jesus Christ, I believe you are the son of God. I believe that you came to this earth and died for my sin. And I want to invite you into my life right now, come into my life and my heart and and make me white as snow, snow, wash me white as wool. Jesus, I give you my life and I will follow you forever. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in our church. And We look forward with expectancy, great expectancy to what you're going to do. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.